For her, the bells toll. I am J.A. Lovelock, a barrister and an author, but most importantly, a crime junkie. Welcome to my podcast, Behind the Yellow Tape. In this episode, I consider the case of Priscilla Brigadike, who made history by becoming the first woman in Britain to be executed in private. She was hanged on Monday, the 28th of December, 1868, at Lincoln Castle, having been convicted of killing her husband, Richard, by poison. The question is, did she willfully kill her husband, or did he meet his death at the hands of another? Priscilla Wiley was born in 1833 in the village of Gedney, in Lincolnshire. When she was 22 in 1855, she married Richard Brigadike. Thereafter, she gave birth to three children. Round about the time of Richard's death, a new baby had arrived. Living with Priscilla and Richard and their three children in their two-room cottage were two lodgers, they being 30-year-old labourer Thomas Proctor, and George Ironmonger, a 21-year-old fisherman. So this was the setup in the house. Priscilla and Richard and Thomas and George shared two beds, and these beds were very close together in one room. Such sleeping arrangements may become relevant in due course because husband Richard suspected his wife Priscilla was having an affair with Thomas Proctor and that he, Thomas Proctor, was the father of this newborn baby. Well, the marriage between Priscilla and Richard wasn't a happy one and by this time it was very much on the slide. When Richard challenged Priscilla about whose baby was it, she replied, well, it's mine. Well, that was obvious. But what Richard Brigadier really wanted to know was, who fathered this child, him or Thomas Proctor? Not only did Richard Brigadier not know whether he was the father of his wife's new baby, but neither did he know that his days were numbered. And on the evening of the 30th of September 1868, Richard ate some shortcake baked by Priscilla. And this shortcake he had with a cup of tea, brewed by Priscilla. Priscilla then put milk into his cup. She said she left the cup on the table until Richard was ready to pour the tea into this cup. As soon as Richard drank the tea, he became seriously ill. Dr. Maxwell, the local doctor, was sent for. But sadly, Richard was beyond medical intervention. And in less than 12 hours after he had eaten the shortcake and had his cup of tea, Richard died in great pain in the early hours of the 1st of October. He was 35 years old. Dr. Maxwell suspected that Richard was poisoned and the post-mortem that followed revealed severe inflammation of the stomach, usually caused by an irritant poison. 
So Richard Brigadike was poisoned. But by who? And who would want Richard dead? Yes, his marriage to Priscilla wasn't a particularly happy ride. And she seems to be sleeping with some other man rather than her husband. And what of the lodgers, Thomas Proctor, who Richard felt she was cheating on him with? And George Ironmonger? So was it the shortcake or the tea that was poisoned? And by the way, both Thomas Proctor and George Ironmonger also ate some of the shortcake, and they hadn't died. And presumably, Priscilla had also eaten the shortcake she baked. She would hardly poison herself. So under suspicion, Priscilla accused Thomas Proctor of putting white powder in Richard's tea. Well, not just accuse. Priscilla told police that she saw him put the powder in Richard's tea and that he also put a second dose in some medicine that Richard was taking for his back pain. Henceforth, both Priscilla and Thomas Proctor were arrested. And on the 19th of October, they both appeared before the magistrate's court, whereupon they were remanded into custody, while the court was awaiting the results of the analysis of Richard's stomach contents. While remanded in custody at Spilsborough House of Correction, Priscilla told the governor in a statement that she had administered the poison to her husband, Richard. And she also said that Thomas Proctor was involved. The man Richard accused her of having an affair with. Richard's stomach content, having been analysed, confirmed that he was indeed poisoned by arsenic. Priscilla Biggadite was committed to stand trial at Lincolnshire Winter Assizes. In those days, trials were held by the seasons, spring, summer, winter. So there she stood alone in the dock on that cold December morning in 1868. The murder charge against Thomas Proctor was dismissed, as it was only based on Priscilla's accusations. After seven hours, it was over. Various witnesses testified against her and on behalf of Richard Biggadike. They told the court he had been in good health and was at work on the 30th of September, the day of the poisoning. Even Thomas Proctor gave evidence that he did not put the poison in Richard's tea or his medicine. Another witness for the prosecution, Eliza Fenwick, told the court that she often visited the Brigadikes and on one occasion she told Priscilla that mice had eaten a hole in her flower bag. According to Mrs Fenwick, Priscilla had offered her a little white mercury to kill the mice. However, Mrs Fenwick refused this little white mercury because her husband would not have any of that old stuff in the house. Priscilla's defence lawyer, a Mr Lawrence, did his best for her. He tried to put doubt in the jury's mind. He asked them to consider who put the poison in Richard's tea. Could Richard have accidentally done so himself? Well, Richard could not read, so maybe he could not have read the label on the bottle. <laughs> 
But it has to be borne in mind, though, that Richard had been taking his medicine for some time without coming to any harm. Mr. Lawrence also asked you to consider whether it was Priscilla that administered the poison, or was it someone else? The judge took one hour to sum up. The jury, on the other hand, didn't take that long. They didn't even retire to consider their verdict. Guilty, as charged, of willful murder. However, they did recommend she be shown mercy. Now here's the thing. The judge, Mr Justice Biles, asked the foreman of the jury why they recommend Priscilla to be shown mercy. He, the foreman, told the judge that it was because the evidence was circumstantial. Aha. Uh -huh. But the judge went on to say, to tell Priscilla, that even though the evidence against her was only circumstantial, he said he had never heard more satisfactory or conclusive evidence in his life. He also went on to say that had she, Priscilla, attended to and heeded to heretofore religious instruction, she would never have found herself in the position she now finds herself in. And with that, he sentenced her to her fate. Death. While she waited for her execution, Priscilla was visited by her family on the 27th of December. A final farewell. A final painful farewell. On Monday, the 28th of December, the gallows were erected, about 200 yards from the main prison. Priscilla Bigadite was led to the gallows in moans. She moaned her way to the gallows. She took little notice of the chaplain. His job was to do the service for the dying. Yet he seemed to be reprimanding her at the same time because she would not confess to him that she had killed her husband by poisoning him. This feels like a new trial to me. She had already told the court her side of things. Who is he to be putting her on trial again? When she refused to admit any guilt, he more or less condemned her to hell. Still. As the executioner set Priscilla up for a hanging at nine o'clock, on that cold December morning, the bells of the cathedral, of Lincoln Cathedral, rang out for the fourth time. Then the black flag was raised to signify to the small crowd of a hundred that had gathered on Castle Hill that the execution was carried out. Priscilla Bigadite was dead. 
And so on that Monday morning, the 28th of December, 1868, at age 35, Priscilla Bigodite became the first woman in Britain to be executed in private. No more crowds of thousands. But is that the end of the story? Afraid not. Remember Thomas Proctor, the man that Priscilla accused of poisoning Richard and the man it was believed she was having an affair with? Well, he died in 1882, some 14 years after Priscilla's execution. And on his deathbed, he confessed that it was he that had put the white powder, the arsenic, in Richard Brigadite's tea and medicine. Well, well. Remember, too, that early in the investigation, Priscilla had told the police that she saw Thomas Proctor put the powder in Richard's tea, and he had also put some into his medicine. At that time, Mr Justice Biles dismissed the case against Thomas Proctor for lack of evidence, except for the accusations of Priscilla Bigodike. What is interesting is that the same Mr Justice Biles in his seminar of Priscilla's trial stated that Thomas Proctor was just as guilty as Priscilla and that he, Thomas Proctor, simply got away with murder. So, is Priscilla Bigodike's case a miscarriage of justice? Was she wrongfully hanged for a murder she did not commit? You decide. Thanks for listening. I am J.A. Lovelock. Join us next time as we go behind the yellow tape. Till then... Catch up with more episodes at btytpodcasts.com. Introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. The type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy, and you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. She stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S.